0: The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. The Lord delivers him out of them all. Psalms 34, verses 15 through 19. Thank you so very much for being here tonight. We appreciate so much your presence. Um, There are those who are here tonight who are, uh, I'm sure, not members of the body of Jesus Christ, but have come to be with us, and we're really thankful for your presence. And I'm sure some member here has invited you to come, and you've been gracious enough to come, and we hope you brought your Bibles with you, and you'll open them up and study with us as we look at the Word of God together. There are those that are visiting from other places, members of the body of Jesus Christ, other churches, we're glad to see you, appreciate so much your being here, you're lifting up our hands and encouraging us in the work that we're doing here, and thank you for being here, thank you for coming. It's good to see the members that are here, we appreciate so much your presence, and you have been so gracious. You have fed us. um, You have encouraged us. Um, We were out at the Bellwoods tonight and way out there somewhere, way out there in uh, in the country. And um, I I had to say to them that um, I greatly envied his barn and silo. It has been my, one of my bucket lists in life is to own an old barn. It's been used a lot. I don't intend to use it, but just to own an old barn and an old silo so I could just look at it. And he's got it. He's got it. Beautiful place. You've been so hospitable, so gracious, and thank you so very, very much. We're studying this theme of God's Description for Life's Pains. We began Sunday morning to talk about where all the pains and suffering that is in this life, how did it get started? And we talked about the Garden of Eden in Genesis. And we learned a lot about Satan and his devices and the evil that is in the world due to his influence, and due to sin. We talked about Jesus being the great physician, and He is the one that can prescribe for us a medicine, a cure, a healing for all sin, for all sin ailments. When we come to the great physician, And we obey His, His will. We follow His prescription. We can be healed of all our spiritual diseases. What a blessing. What a comfort. We talked about last night about why God allows evils to continue in this life. I think Brother Josh mentioned that the lessons are being recorded Um. We're here long enough with me preaching one sermon, so I'll not preach those other three that uh, we've already talked about. But I will just say that even today I heard on one of the news channels, the anchor, he posed this question. He says that many surely are asking, if there is a great God, why does he let these kind of things happen? Talking about the killings. Yesterday, down in Texas. Tonight, we're going to talk about disappointments. We're going to talk about discouragements. We're going to talk about we know that evil is in the world, and as Christians, how do we face that? How do we deal with it? So I hope that you brought your Bibles. Hope you'll listen intently. For the next at least ten minutes, we're going to study the Word of God together, at least 10 minutes. I think it's something that is it's important for us to remember, and I've tried to stress this in our lessons thus far. I asked the two questions. Do you believe in God? I think all of us would say, yes, I believe in God. But when I ask you the question, do you believe God? That is a true test of our faith. Because we read these great words that are in His book, in His Word. And it challenges us to trust God in what He says. And tonight will be no exception as we study this important theme. I want to challenge each of us to believe in God, but to also believe God. Because He is the great power, the great physician that can take care of all of our troubles and all of our problems. We must trust in that. We must believe in that. And follow exactly what He said. And one of the ways that God demonstrates His great care is that when we study the Scriptures, we find that God has always provided for His Son, In the book of Matthew, chapter 4 and verse 11, where Jesus goes through this 40 days of trial and temptation and so forth, we understand that after going through all of those difficulties, that God allowed an angel to come to Him, that is to the Lord, and to minister to Him. We find that again in the garden of Gethsemane, Luke chapter 22 and verse 43. During the time that He's praying... To allow this this cup to pass from him, and he asked the Lord, he asked God three times for that to happen. God sends an angel to minister unto him, and so we see here the great example that of, of God's tender, loving provision for His Son to minister to him, to provide for him, to nurture him. And yet we find that that very thing happens for all of God's sons. That angels are ministering spirits. They are sent out to provide and to help for those who are blessed unto eternal salvation. So tonight we're going to talk about one of the beautiful blessings that we have as children of God. And that is that we have a Father who through His Son He provides a way of escape for us through all the disappointments and discouragements that we go through in this life. When we talk about the idea of discouragement, I think all of us have felt sometime like David wrote in Psalms 55. In Psalms 55... We see here David's uh, emotion about his life and what he was going through. And David says, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide thyself from my supplication. Give heed to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint, and I am surely distracted. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the pressure of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. And I said, oh, that I had the wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Haven't we been there? Haven't we been there to where difficulties and problems and issues have have come upon us? And we wished that we could just have... Wings of the condor, of the eagle, of of, of any bird. That would allow us to fly away and go away and escape. The Smoky Mountains have been an escape for Mary Lou and I through the years. It's been a place where, where does a preacher go and who does he talk to when, exactly, where does he go? Smoky Mountains is where we go. You can escape. And when the phone rings, my wife says, don't answer it. Don't answer it. Take a break. (laughs) Don't we all wish that we could get away from our difficulties and problems and issues? Well, I think all of us go through that. And what we find is that discouragement is something that all of us face at some point in time. Sometimes we might face it regularly In fact, some of us may feel that we're always in the state of discouragement. But don't feel like the Lone Ranger. When we consider the Word of God, we find that not only David, but Job. He was greatly discouraged. We discussed that a bit last night. But Jesus Christ, even Himself, He encountered discouragement. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. As he spoke and as he looked toward Jerusalem, and he felt so deeply for them, but they were so hard-hearted and just turned away from everything that he tried to do to help them. He was discouraged about that. When we consider the idea of discouragement, I think that there's two basic things that we look at. There are non-sinful sources of discouragement, and things like sickness and death. If you have some kind of sickness, that's that's discouraging. Especially, I remember, uh, as a kid. You know, you get sick. Well, you didn't have to go to school. That was cool. But mom wouldn't allow me to go out and play. You know, if I couldn't go to school because I was sick, I couldn't go out and play. Well, that was discouraging, you know. Well, sickness, even as an adult, can be very discouraging. Especially if it is something that is continuous. It's something that really cannot be cured. You have to deal with it constantly. And especially... Obviously, when we have to face death, the death of a loved one, it can be very discouraging. Another non-sinful source would be simply the idea of family. Family can be discouraging. Sometimes in spousal problems, you know, we took them for better or for worse, but sometimes they're a lot worse than we took them for. And as a result, there can be problems, there can be issues, there can be discouragements about that trying to work out, and, I, and I've said this before, uh, not braggingly, very ashamedly, I say that my wife and I were both raised as Christians, we got married, the first two years of our marriage was awful, we were both 18, she didn't know anything about being married, not anything, I knew everything, <laughs> I knew everything about being married. And that was just like water and oil. It didn't mix. And had we not been Christians, we would have probably divorced. But because we were Christians, and we knew the one that had the wisdom and the answers to all issues and all problems, we sought after God and we, we, we listened to God. And our lives, even to this day, many years later, we don't have a perfect marriage. We're still working at it. We're still trying to to, to to make it all work out the way it ought to be. Because I'm human and she's human. I sin, she sins. And sometimes we just have issues and problems because we allow sin to come into our lives. And that discourages our relationship, not only as husband and wife, but parent-child relationship. And now we've got three grandsons and we love them dearly. But sometimes even their actions cause some discouragement. So it, it's going to happen in your family. It's going to happen. Financial issues. Do I, do I need to even go there? Financial issues can be very discouraging to so many people. But then, brethren, we can be discouraging when we intend to encourage. We can sometimes be We can be so cruel to each other. Sometimes when we as Christians, when we come to services, and maybe it's not intentional, but we're so absorbed maybe in our own thoughts, our own own life, things that are going on with us, that we may walk, we just might walk right by brethren, not even speak to them, and they will feel like they're invisible. And, And maybe some people will say, well... What's wrong with brother so and so? What's wrong with sister so and so? They just, they come in here and they just plop down in their seat, and then as soon as the amen is said, they're gone. There's something wrong. You know, sometimes the way we treat others, maybe not intentionally, but it becomes a discouragement to other people. You know, when the preacher doesn't speak to me, something's up. The preacher should always speak to everyone, right? If the preacher is on a mission because there's someone there that he's been studying with, he's working with, and he's trying to make a beeline back to them, he might have to pass 20 people in order to get to this one person. But then these 20 people are very discouraged because, well, the preacher just blew by me and he didn't even pay attention or say howdy or anything. You, you can see where discouragements can come sometimes, even from each other. Well, we didn't intend it. There, there was no intent and purpose. It just happens. So we can get our feelings hurt very easily sometimes. But then there's sinful sources. The sinful sources of discouragement is a result of our having sinned. And then the shame and the guilt that's there. Remember, we talked about that uh, in the first lesson about Eve and Adam in the garden, eating the fruit, how all of that came about as far as fear and shame and so forth. Well, the same is true for us today. In the book of Genesis, chapter 4, a little bit later, we find an example of this idea of this uh, discouragement that comes as a result of sin Notice with me in Genesis chapter 4, if you will. Notice in the beginning of verse 5. But for Cain and for his offering he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. His countenance fell is verbiage that has to do with he became very discouraged. And the text goes on to say, And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? Verse 7, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? I think we understand that. If you do the right thing, you feel good about it. What if you do the wrong thing? You should feel bad about it. That's your conscience bothering you. There's guilt there. There's shame. Well, and if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. And Cain told Abel, his brother, and he came about, it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, uh, his brother, and killed him. What happened there? Well, here seems to be the process here is that Abel offers an acceptable sacrifice. Cain does not. God lets it be known that Abel's sacrifice is acceptable. I'm sure Abel's feeling pretty good about that. Cain's not accepted, therefore he's feeling bad about that. God even has a conversation with him. He said, if you'll do the right thing, you'll feel good. Your countenance will be up. But be careful when your countenance is down. Sin is creeping at the door. What's the next thing Cain does? He goes out and has a conversation with Abel and kills him. What does this this teach us? When you get in a bad mood and you get discouraged and you get down about something that you've done wrong we can easily take it out on other people and sin again. You have to be extremely careful how you, hand, excuse me, how you handle yourself after you have sinned in some way, and the shame and the guilt you feel, if it's not handled properly, it can lead to other sins. So we're going to talk about this as we study today about discouragement, both from non-sinful and sinful sources, and how you deal with that. Well, first of all, let's start with the idea that you're discouraged. We can all pretty well fit in that car, right? We're discouraged for some reason. What do you do now? Well, the first thing I want you to talk about is sometimes the way people handle things is not always the right way. I had a dear friend of mine, he called me today, and uh, his wife's left him. And uh, he was very discouraged about that, obviously. And they've had some problems and issues. And he was asking me, what do I do? She's been gone for about seven weeks. She won't talk to him. He wants to know what I think he should do. I said, what have you been doing? Nothing. I didn't want to be Dr. Phil and say, well, how's that working for you? But you know, it seems that that's the easiest thing to do when there's a problem, when there's an issue, when you're discouraged, or there's sin in your life. What do you do? Nothing. Nothing. Trying to run away from it, do nothing about it, that never works. It does not work. We cannot be the proverbial ostrich to hide our head in the sand and everything goes away and everything's cool. and everything, that, that doesn't work. In fact, I'll tell you a little bit of a secret when we first got married. My wife was an ostrich that would head, take her head and put it in the hole. I'm the one that's going to stand out there and just blab and talk about it all day long. Well, that was oil and water, and we didn't mix and trying to get the issues and so forth and so on resolved. There are some people that just ain't going to talk about it. They're not going to deal with it. Why do you think so many churches... I'm certainly not talking about anybody around here because I don't know doodly squat about anybody, all right? But why do you think some churches shrink and why some swell? A problem comes up, there's an issue, and how is it taken care of? Well, sometimes people don't do anything. Sometimes people run away. I'd like to suggest to us that when we face an issue in your life personally, And if you try as best you can just to run away from it or you try not to deal with it at all, here's what will happen to you. And I'm not a a psychologist or a psychiatrist, never played one on TV or anything. But I want to say what we learn from Scripture is, is that you do not get better as a result of not dealing with discouragement and disappointment. It gets worse the next level from discouragement when handled improperly regardless of the source is depression and when we consider the idea of depression depression and there are different states of depression there's different causes for depression some need to be medicated some others of different treatments but in a general way when we look at something spiritual Where there's a spiritual disappointment, there's a spiritual discouragement. If you choose to run away or do nothing, it will lead to depression. And that depression is where you seek or uh, stop doing anything. You stop serving. You stop going to church. You stop reading your Bible. You stop living the way you ought to live. Depression is seeking down into a mode where you cease to function spiritually. And when you get into a spiritual depression where you cease to function spiritually, that is sinful. That is sinful. Now, your source of discouragement may have been, the preacher didn't speak to me. Non-sinful source. It was just a quinky dink. It was not intentional. But you get all bent out of shape about that. You get discouraged. So here's how you're going to get back at the preacher. I'll just quit going to church down there. And what you do, you quit going to church down there anywhere. And you stop going to church. You stop living like you ought to live. You stop serving the Lord. Now what have you done? You've taken a non-sinful source of discouragement and you've allowed that, not handling it properly, you've sinked into depression where you have stopped functioning. And that's a sinful state. What happens when you get to a sinful state of depression, spiritually? When you're not functioning? It becomes a sinful state, therefore it becomes death. Do you remember Judas Iscariot? Judas Iscariot betrayed the Lord for money, right? He comes to realize that is wrong. I don't know what took him so long to figure that out, but he finally figured it out and overcome his covetousness and realize he had done the wrong thing. How do we know he realized he did the wrong thing? He took the money back, right? Was that a good thing? Yeah, that was a good step. He took the money back. Now, what was the next thing he ought to do? How about going to the Lord and saying, I'm sorry. I did wrong. Forgive me. Do you think Jesus would have forgiven him? Absolutely, Jesus would have forgiven him. Judas would not have hanged himself. He could have been a few days later in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost preaching with the others. But he made a poor choice. What did he do? He ran away. He ran away from the Lord. He did a partial fix, but not a complete fix. So he goes out and hangs himself. Why? Because of the guilt and shame of his sin. Could he have made that happen a little bit better? By asking Jesus to forgive him, by going to the Lord and not running away and doing the right thing. Do you think that story has been left in the word of God for no purpose? When I sin against God, when you sin against God, what should you do? Fix it. What should you do in to fix it? Well... Whatever sin you've committed, if there's restitution that is required, restitute. (laughs) You need to take back. You need to fix. You need to repair. Every sin is always against God. You need to fix it with God. When we sin, we usually hurt somebody else. Restitute. Fix it with them. Right? When we sin... Jesus can forgive, and when he forgives based upon our repentance, coming to God, then he will heal us so that we can live, and we don't have to die. But if you run away, and if you do nothing, you'll die. Does everybody get that? Pretty simple lesson, isn't it? Well, when we consider the other choice, dealing with it. Most people don't want to deal with anything. But as a Christian, if you go back and read the Sermon on the Mount, those three chapters are are just the greatest preacher and teacher of all time preached the greatest sermon that has ever been proclaimed. And it's recorded in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And if that sermon says anything, it says this. Deal with it. <laughs> Do something. You can't just be a knot on the log in the kingdom of Christ. You have to be active. You have to be diligent. You have to be committed. So you're discouraged. You need to figure out where did your discouragement come from. Is it a non source? Is it a sinful source? But you need to deal with it. And when you deal with it, you can overcome. This is the promise we have from our God. Do you believe in God? Remember the question? Do you believe God? Do you trust Him? We can overcome. You can get stronger. I think sometimes we feel like that once we get discouraged, maybe we've even gotten into depression. That we can never bounce back, we can never come back, we can never be what we what, what we what God wants us to be. Maybe we see it as this: the the bar is so high, I just can't jump that high. I just cannot be what God wants me to be. So we get discouraged that we just can't do it. God has never, ever, ever said anything about you not being able to do it if you want to do it, if you want to serve Him, if you want to obey Him. James says it this way in James 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect work, that you may be complete. Perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. James says, the very thing that the devil... Now let's start back with Sunday morning's lesson. What is the devil trying to do? He's trying to defeat us. He's trying to discourage us. He's trying to disappoint us. He's trying to do all that He can to kill us. Right? So things are going to happen. Things are going to happen in our life. Now what am I going to do with it? How am I going to deal with it? If you deal with it, here's what James says. The very thing that the devil throws at you to cause you to stumble, to hurt you, to disappoint you, To cause you all kinds of pain is the very thing if you have your head on straight and you believe in God and you believe God and you believe in the great physician and you follow his prescription, you can take that evil, you can take that bad, you can take that disappointment and you can turn it into something that makes you better and stronger in the Lord. Did you understand that? It would help if you went this way. Yeah, you understood that, right? Everybody understands that. But here's the deal. To get better instead of getting bitter is the challenge. All of us could stand up and have a testimonial tonight and tell of some really bad situation that has been in our lives, and all of us are going to cry. I'm not belittling that. I'm just saying we could all tell a story, and we would all cry, and we'd all feel real bad about it. We all got that story. But you know what? Jesus Christ died on the cross so that that story is not your life. He died on the cross... So that that story can be history. And that you can be what what God wants you to be. What does He want you to be? He wants you to be someone that is better, joyful. You remember Paul in Philippians chapter 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always again, I say rejoice. Well, if you're bitter and you're angry and you're discouraged and you're despondent, and you're just worrying about anything and everything, you can't do much rejoicing. So, here's the challenge. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we talked a little bit about this last night, about the thorn in the flesh. Let's review this just one more time, because it's pertinent to what we're talking about tonight as well. Remember the thorn in the flesh? We talked about that, that Paul had... That was a messenger from Satan. He entreated the Lord three times to remove that thorn. And the Lord said, no. My grace is sufficient for you. What was God saying? Deal with it. Deal with it. So rather than pouting about it, rather than being depressed about it, here's what Paul said. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, notice verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, and persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. What kind of gibber jabber is that? What in the world is he talking... He's saying the exact same thing that James said in James 1. Now, I'm sure you can tell I'm a fine-tuned athlete here. When you go to the gym, the physiological aspect of going to the gym, you pick up those barbells and you lift them and, and try to work out, right? What are you doing physiologically? You're tearing down muscle cells, right? You tear them down. And what does that do when you exercise? Well, after a couple of days of rest, they build back up, what? Stronger. You tear them down. Then they build up stronger, right? It's the trampoline effect, right? you got to go down in order to get a little higher. You go down, you get a little higher. You see what I'm saying? Spiritually, how do you get big, strong muscles? How do you get that? By sitting around and doing nothing. You have to be active. You have to be working. And if you're an active, working disciple of Jesus Christ you're going to run into problems, you're going to run into issues, and you're going to be persecuted, and you're going to face difficulties and temptations. So what do you do about that? you get bitter about it and quit? Or do you use what the devil is throwing at you to work out? And you use those difficulties to exercise, and you build yourself up. Yay, let me say it the correct way. God allows you to be built stronger as a result of the difficulties. And Paul says, I will then brag about my weaknesses, because when I am weak, then am I strong. Don't go to the gym, don't work out, you're going to get fat and flabby, and you're going to die. But if you work out and get strength and get stronger, it's better. Spiritually speaking, you do not grow spiritually. Unless you work out. You with me? So many Christians are discontent. What is the old saying? Instead of standing on the promises, we're just sitting on the premises. Right? You heard that before? You know, most Christians do that, they just sit on the premises. You know what a Christian is supposed to be doing? Getting out there and working and doing and serving. You know the ones that get in trouble? The ones that are doing something. And Jesus Christ is saying, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Makes you strong, makes you better. So when you get disappointments, you get discouragements, here's what you should really do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's like taking one of those uh, power drinks or whatever, you know, right before you go work out. You drink that and then you do that and your muscles just become like Mighty Mouse. You know, it's like... Just... As my daddy used to say, I'm graduating there just a little bit, but I will say this. Brethren... It's a choice. You can sit around and act like your whole world has just gone away. Or you can deal with it and start serving the Lord with all of your might and use these difficulties to make you stronger. And the choice is between your ears. It's your heart. It's a matter of choice. God helps us. God provides for us. Jesus will help us. Matthew 11. We already talked about that passage, right? Come unto me, all ye that are weary and are heavy laden. What did, what did Jesus say I'll do for you? If you come asking... What do, I, what do we do when we come asking people for something? Bilbert, I need something so bad. Bilbert says, I ain't got time to mess with you. you. We're a disappointment to each other sometimes. We know somebody really needs something and this is what we say. Well, if you need anything, let me know. Duh, wake up. Can't you see what they need? If you see what they need, what should you do? Tell them if you need anything, call me. No! Do it! Help them, right? When we consider God, the great physician, He knows what we need and He will provide. Do you understand that we can overcome? Did you see that? You can overcome? I have fought discouragement and depression through my life Just about all of my life. It's hard sometimes to just grab yourself and pull yourself up. But I'm going to tell you. A person that has faced a lot of discouragements. And a lot of disappointments. And a lot of depression. I'm going to tell you what I. Maybe this is a weakness. But I don't have a lot of empathy. For people that won't pull themselves up and do something. You can sit around and whine and gripe and complain all you want. But that's all you're doing is whining griping and complaining. You're not helping yourself. You're not helping anybody that hears you. And you need to stop it. You need to get up and start doing something. Follow God's prescription. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now, Glenn over here is a carpenter. I couldn't drive a 16-penny nail in in mud. I'm just not a carpenter. So I quote Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ, and I'll go over here and I'll be a perfect built... No, that's not what that's meaning. What it's meaning is, everything and anything that God has asked us to do, if you make up your mind to do what God says to do, guess what? You can do it. That's believing God. The devil has convinced you that you're too weak, you're too this, you're too that. And I might just say this. We use all kinds of excuses. From our kids, to our parents, to our jobs. What if the Lord took away your excuse? What are you gonna do now? Well, I can't go to church because of my kids. I can't go to church because of my job. What if the Lord took away your excuse? I kind of get the idea when I read the Scriptures, and especially when you read the prophets, both major and minor, God doesn't put up with no foolishness. He don't care about your excuses. What does He care about? Your trust. Peter is an example of someone that overcome. Peter was a man that denied the Lord three times. You know what makes that even worse? is the Lord said, you're going to do it. Do you remember Peter's reaction to when the Lord said, you're going to deny me? Peter said, no way, Lord, I'm not going to do that. I'll die for you. What did Peter do? Denied him three times. When Jesus, after His resurrection, has that conversation with Peter, and Jesus asked him three times, Do you love me more than these? That had to just rip Peter's heart apart. Because he knew that the Lord was right. The Lord knew Peter better than Peter knew himself. But wasn't the Lord kind? Peter, do you love me more than thee? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. What was he saying? I think he was saying in a very kind, simple way. I think three times that he asked him, do you love me? Wasn't coinky-dink, since Peter had denied him three times. But each time he said, feed my sheep. What would be the most natural reaction for Peter to have done after denying him three times? Quit. What was Jesus saying to him? Do not quit, Peter. If you love me, feed my sheep. Get back to work. What a wonderful thing, brothers and sisters in Christ. All of us, at some point in our lives, have probably denied the Lord. We've probably done something that was a betrayal. We've done something that we ought not have done. You know what our Lord is saying to us? I'm done with you. I'm through with you. No. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. So, the encouragement that all of us ought to receive from the, the life of Peter is the fact that if anybody felt like quitting and that was justifiable, Peter. But even the Lord said, uh uh-uh, uh, no. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then get to work. Get to work. All right. Last few moments, which is one and a half minutes. <clears throat> oh, by the way, that was the introduction. Did y'all bring you a sandwich? Oh, never mind. I I think it's one thing to say, okay, here, here's the theory. Here's, here's the doctrine. Here's the... Here's the, uh, the lesson. But the practicality of it. Take it to the lab. You know, examine it. Work it out. Take it to the field. What, what do you do with that? Alright, discouragement comes. It's going to come to us. Lots of different sources. But usually what happens to us when we get discouraged, and especially if you're depressed, you just cease functioning. But when you get discouraged, if you don't handle it properly... It will flat ruin you. So here's a couple of things that I want to suggest to you, real hurriedly. If you want copies of this for your thumb drive or your computer or something, you're welcome to get this. Whatever, you're welcome to it. Whatever you might think it's worth. Don't ever miss a service. Have you ever said, "Why well, I, I just don't feel like going to church"? Have you ever said that? Let me let you in on a little secret. I'm a preacher. 40 plus years, there's been times when I said, I don't feel like going. If I was the preacher here, and I didn't show up Sunday morning, and y'all called me up and say, where you at? Well, I didn't feel like coming. Well, we don't care what you feel like, get over here, you're supposed to preach. Right? What do you call that? Let me see. Responsibility. I'm responsible, I'm committed to come and to worship the Lord. When you obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, did did, did you not realize what you did? Well, yeah, I got my sins washed away. Yeah, but there there was a deal, right? The deal was, remember when when, uh, the, the eunuch asked, well, here's water, what hinders me from being baptized? Remember what the answer was? Well, if you believe with all your heart you may, may do what? You may come become a Christian. What is God going to do for you when you come to Him with all of your heart? He forgives you of all of your sins. Now what? Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. Here's the deal. You made a commitment to have all of your sins forgiven if you would serve the Lord with all of your heart the rest of your life. So you get up one morning, you don't feel like coming to church. Big whoop. Get your shoes on and go to church. Get here. You know why? Why I don't feel like it. Well, you come and serve the Lord and do what's right. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. And then the feel good comes afterwards. Do the right thing and the feel good comes later. Don't wait till you feel good to do the right thing. Does that make sense? You get discouraged. You ain't never going to go to church. And then what good shape are you going to be in? Keep busy doing good. Encourage others. Stop making your whole life as a Christian about you. This is going to be a shock. This is going to be a tremor to some people. Did you know that this church ain't about you? It ain't about me. It ain't about this preacher here either. Who's it about? God. It's about others. So get out of your little universe that your little universe is all about you, and start looking to others. And you'll get out of your discouragement and depression. Do all that you can to pray all the time and read God's Word every day. Don't ever, 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 times ten to the thousandth ever forget to pray and to read God's Word. As we would say it generically, Don't ever, a day of your life, not talk to God. Don't ever, in your life, not allow God to talk to you. Every day. Stop griping. Stop complaining. You know, you cannot ask some brethren how they are. You just flat can't ask them, how you doing, brother? And for the next 45 minutes, they're going to tell you from here down to here and everything and all this and all that. Man, I didn't ask you that. Everybody's got pains. Everybody's got issues. Now, I'm not trying to be insensitive to folks that have physical ailments. But stop complaining. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the next time you complain, read 1 Corinthians chapter 10. God destroyed thousands of people because they griped. Because they murmur. God don't like it. I don't like it. You don't like it. Stop it. Repent immediately of any sin. If your discouragement is because of sin. Repent of it immediately. Fix it. Restitution. Immediately. And then forget the past. Forget the past. Somebody says, Well, preacher, that's hard to do. Do you believe in God? Do you believe God? God forgets that it ever happened. God will enable us to forget it. We may still recall it, but it can affect us differently if we trust in the Lord. Sing. Sing is just. A... Did I mention the fact y'all really sang good tonight? It was really good. Did a good job, brother. Good job. Good, good job yesterday. Good singing. Doesn't singing just kind of make you feel good, plumb down to your toe bones? I mean, when you sing out, you know. I, I go to a third world country and those, those brethren, many of them can't carry a tune in the bucket. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you about, about um, Central Americans. They sing from the heart, man. They sing out. And they just love the Lord, and you can see it when they sing. Sometimes when we sing, we got our book. Where's the book? This is a Bible, right? No, it's a book. When we sing like this, Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I'm happy today. Yes, I'm happy. I'm not talking we need to start jumping over the pews or anything. But I would like to suggest, That maybe, just maybe, part of our problem is we're afraid to be happy we're Christians. Are you happy to be a Christian? Are you rejoicing that you're a Christian? Well, who are you trying to hide it from? Singing is just one of those beautiful ways... We can praise our God. Sing out with joy. Act, act like you're glad to be here. That you're a Christian, and that you've been forgiven. Act like it. Casting all your anxiety, your cares upon Him because He cares for you. One last passage Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension. Never will forget, a preacher friend of mine was in a Bible class and he read this passage and the guy raised his hand, and he said, "Preacher, would you explain that verse?" He said, "What do you mean explain that?" He said, "I'm talking about that verse in 7 says that which surpasses all comprehension." And the preacher said, "Dummy, you can't ex- you can't explain it if it's above all comprehension." That is the explanation of it. I can't explain it. Right? Did you know what God is able to do to us and for us? He is able to give unto us a peace that surpasses all comprehension. And that He will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Any Star Trek people? Any Star Trek people? Remember the force fields? You know, they put around the ship, you know, and the, the missiles can't. came. You know, you know what God does to us? When we choose to take His prescription, He protects us from the devil. He protects us and not allowing us to, to be tempted above that which we're able to bear. And if you're going through a lot, thank the Lord. You know why? Because He is saying to you, you are stronger than you realize you are, or else He wouldn't allow that much to be on you. You didn't know you could pick all that up. God. Will help you. Do you believe in God? Believe God. Believe what He says. Thank you for listening. If you take your books and turn to number next, 385, right? Is that right? Is that the next song? Number 385. Well, I think this is the 77th time I've preached this sermon. I told you that I'm a big, I get discouraged, I get disappointed. I preach this lesson a lot of places. It always ends the same, about ten minutes over. I'm trying to work on that, and it disappoints me and discourages me, but I'll work on it. (laughs) Are you a Christian? Why are you not a Christian? The great physician offers to you what no one can offer and no one can fulfill. He can forgive every sin that you've ever committed. As the great physician and as his child, he will give you the strength to overcome all the difficulties ahead. He did not say that there won't be difficulties. He did not say, you'll have a life of easiness on this earth. In fact, he said the opposite. So if you commit to Jesus Christ, you're going to be in a roller coaster ride of difficulties and issues. But our great physician will always be there to help you to overcome so that your heart can be protected above and beyond what you can even imagine for you to have the joy and the peace that can only come from God Himself. If you've never become a Christian, are you really going to pass up that offer from our God? If you're a child of God and you've not taken it seriously, you've allowed the devil to just beat you up. And you're discouraged and you're despondent something better don't be Judas's carrier. don't just come back part of the way come back all of the way to the one who can cure you the one that can heal you completely and you can have your sins forgiven we're going to sing this song of encouragement let's all sing from our toe bones let's all sing to encourage anyone and everyone a greater service, regardless of the disappointments and the discouragements of this life. Won't you come as we stand in sing?